So welcome uh, to my podcast, Conversations with David. I am your host, David Owasi. And on this podcast, we're talking to accomplished uh, entrepreneurs and professionals, and uh, we're learning about what keeps them passionate, what keeps them going. And we're also talking about some of the lessons and insights learned along the way. Now, today, I have a very special guest, uh, my friend and someone I'm, uh, whose work I'm a huge, huge fan of, uh, Jimmy Narain. Why don't you introduce yourself, Jimmy? Sure. Thank you for having me here, David. I really appreciate it. So for those people who don't know me, my name is Jimmy Narain, and I'm going to do a bit different intro than, you know, than, than most people. So rather than telling you exactly what I do, let me start with my mission, because I feel like it's important to understand what a person, not just what a person does, but why they do what they do. So for me, most of the projects that I do are connected to my mission of helping millions of people with their psychological issues, with confidence issues. And the reason I'm mentioning this now is because, look, I used to struggle with confidence a lot. I used to have social anxiety back in the day, especially growing up in post-communist Poland. I know the feeling of, you know, you want to do certain things. You want to take bigger steps in life, whether it's setting up a business or you have to get on a stage or whatever it is. And that feeling in your stomach is just holding you back, makes you paralyzed, makes you feel like shit, quite frankly. And the interesting thing is, and maybe you can resonate with this, David, as well. Maybe have you ever had issues like this in the past? Absolutely, absolutely, still yeah. do, and still working my way through them. Okay, so so that's great. That's great because I'm asking you because a lot of people watching or listening to this, I'm sure you can resonate as well. And uh, there are lots of people out there who are accomplished entrepreneurs, even public speakers, right? Even people who are authors, and they still experience those problems, but no one ever talks about it, and. You know, that's why I feel so passionate about running projects that are connected to fulfilling that mission, because I believe that if we if we all have a bit more belief in ourselves, right, if we all have a bit more confidence, the world will be a better place because a lot of drama that happens in the world happens as a result of people just hating themselves secretly, not believing in themselves. So, you know, that mission led me to do various different things, right, from building video courses, as you know, David, to speaking on stages, at least, you know, before Corona, now it's a bit tricky as we, as we know, uh, now, now it's mostly live events uh, online and, and doing podcasts like this one, but I've also done adventure masterminds. And then over the years, a lot of entrepreneurs and company owners started asking me, okay, Jimmy, so we see that you teach over 200,000 people in your courses. How the hell did you make that happen? What is the secret? Now, obviously, there's no secret, right? But uh, that also kind of forced me. This was never my idea, but that kind of forced me to embrace that new path as well, which is helping people to to build online courses, to amplify their voice online, because whether you, you want to believe it or not, we all have an online brand, right? And people often don't realize it, but if you have a business and someone Googles you and there are no courses, no podcasts, no articles, you basically failed the Google test and you, you, that, that first digital impression is not very good. So I've been doing that for people as well. And then in addition to it, a bunch of other projects, but on a more personal side, what I want to say as well, just so we don't want to make it only about business and, and contribution. Um, I'm a lover of life and I'm sure a lot of people listening and watching this can resonate. I just, I love life. I know life is short. It can be long enough if you live it well. And, and that, that's why precisely I try to live my life with the sense of never-ending adventure. And it's not just about traveling and exploring. It's about having daily adventures, reading new books, talking to interesting people, right? Exposing yourself to, to new challenges, pushing your comfort zone. 
and I just try to pack as many of those things as possible into my life. So I'd say on the one hand, you have contribution aspect with my mission. And then on the other hand, just living an epic life. Bam, and I just try to combine it into, into the life that I'm grateful for. So this is me in a nutshell. And uh, obviously, I'm happy to delve into any bits and pieces as we go along. Fascinating, Jimmy. Thank you for the spectacular introduction. And uh, yeah, for our listeners, uh, Jimmy is someone who has, uh, you know, I guess you started out really where you got your uh, start was uh, in the online courses. And my first course was actually modeled after one of your courses on career development. Wow. And that's how I got to really start to follow you. So uh, pretty inspiring that you're on my show now. But I, I wanted to start our conversation, Jimmy, from the place of entrepreneurship, because our primary listeners are entrepreneurs, are business owners. Mm-hmm. And I'm very curious about yourself. You're definitely uh, st- uh, experience in, in business ownership, but what really got you interested in business in the first place? Why uh, were you interested in entrepreneurship? That's that's a really good question. So and this is actually not a question that I get asked a, a lot. You know, most people just ask me, "Hey, how do you build courses?" So this is very cool that you're asking me this. Um, let me put it this way, okay? I, I got started very early with with like basic dabbling in entrepreneurship when i was a when i was a kid maybe 10 12 years old uh, in poland back uh, right after communism my brother and i we figured we should make some pocket money you know our parents even though they were medical doctors they were making very little money you know that was just the reality of poland back then so we would pick fruit and then we would sell it on the streets and you know as kids we didn't have to pay any tax so we you know we made pretty decent money for what we wanted we just wanted to buy some toys and maybe save up a little bit so i started with little things like that or or buying t-shirts in the us and then selling them in poland you know there are lots of people in poland who wanted that status of having little alligator uh, you know on their on their polo so i was doing that but i'd say without going right into my current ventures let, let me start with the biggest breakthrough that I had. And I think this will be very powerful for a lot of people because I know a lot of people watching your show are not just entrepreneurs, but people who want to get started. And I feel like when we talk about entrepreneurship, a lot of people think it's just about building a business. But I personally believe it's about the mindset, having the mindset of an entrepreneur. And what it means is that you are curious. You're curious and you're willing to take initiative. So when I was 18 years old, 18, almost turning 19, I finished high school. And before going to university, I wanted to get some type of job. I, I really wanted to learn more about business. So there's this career sphere in my little town called Torun in Poland. So I went there with this hope that I'm going to find a sick job. And most employers were looking for people who would pick up strawberries and, and raspberries somewhere in Norway. And don't get me wrong, all, all respect, right? But I didn't want a job like this. I wanted to learn. I wanted to, I wanted to learn about business. But there was one guy standing next, next to the Allianz logo. Now, for those people watching and listening, Allianz is a huge insurance company. He was in a suit, looked intimidating, and nobody was talking to him. So naturally, I just went there. Of course, my heart beating <laughs> really, really fast, but I went to talk to them. And very quickly in a conversation, he said, listen, uh, I appreciate you talking to me, but we don't hire students. And that's when I actually broke the news. I said, listen, I'm actually not even a student yet. However, I got accepted to all those universities and I showed him like a list of like UCL and Durham and all those universities, Sheffield. And I said, I got accepted. I'm going to study there, but I'm hungry and I really want to go out there and do something and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I don't need to get paid. I just, I want to help you with something. And he looked at me and I never forget, he said something in the lines of, of course, in Polish, in the, in the lines of, 
you know what, man, I, I, I like your hunger. I like your drive. Come to my office. We're going to talk. So I went to his office. Never forget, man, amazing feeling driving in there. I, I felt like, like one of those James Bond characters. I felt like, you know, for me at that age, it was a big deal, right? Walk into the office make the long story short, gave me an internship that they didn't even offer. He said, we're just going to make one, okay? And then once I created some results during the internship, he said, I tell you what, you can work for us full-time. You have to go to this course. You have to pass all the qualifications, get your exams for the insurance agent, and you can become a full-blown insurance agent. Of course, I said yes. And why am I sharing this story? Well, because I feel like, like that was the moment when real spark of entrepreneurship happened in my life because I realized that the only reason I got that job was because I was pushing. I, I didn't just accept that, ah, they don't, they don't hire students. I didn't accept that I need to send some regular job application. I just went for it. I went for, for what I wanted. Not only that, when they hired me full time, instead of doing my, old, my, my, my own cold calls, I decided to hire telemarketers. So I literally, I went to university and I'm 18, I was just turning 19. And I put those job listings and I said, listen, I need, I need telemarketers. So a bunch of people showed up in the office. Everyone was surprised because no one was doing it. But I read Brian Tracy, I read Dale Carnegie, I read Tony Robbins and all of those like those gurus, right? So, so I learned that, you know, you have to think outside the box. So I hired a bunch of telemarketers to make calls for me. And it was just a crazy experience, man, sitting across someone. I know you've been, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you've been helping, you, you've been an interviewer, right? And you've been also helping people to get jobs. That is correct. So I, I'm a professional recruiter. Yes, I have done that before. Okay, so that's cool. So you know the feeling, right? I mean, sometimes, especially when you talk to someone who's much older than you, mm-hmm. it feels a bit strange. You got to get into it. I'm 18, 19. But that taught me so many lessons. And then fast forward, uh, I decided to go to, to the UK to study. Studied, I ended up working for Goldman Sachs at some point just to realize that it wasn't for me. And then eventually did some startup job and then I dove into entrepreneurship. But, but that moment in Allianz, that was, I would say, that the biggest breakthrough, the biggest initial breakthrough that made me realize that, you know, I, I, you just got to have initiative. You got to embrace that entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, fascinating story. Thanks for sharing that. That gives me a different perspective to where you got your start. And, you know, I I really identify with your story as well. Myself, you know, I moved from Nigeria with my family to Canada. And funny enough, my real first breakthrough job was really also in uh, insurance as well. Uh, Selling life insurance. (laughs) I know, right? Small world. And And I was able to, you know, really grow my skills in hustling and customer service and Cold calling and selling, and then I went to university as well. So very similar. But but uh, Jimmy, my next question for you is: What would you say is the reality of entrepreneurship in the real world? Because a lot of people have this mental picture of you know, entrepreneurship is all about you know you know cool videos and you know, they have like this vision of all the cool stuff that you, you know entrepreneurship will bring to you. I'll make money. I'll be the richest guy. I'll be the next Bill Gates. I'll start my billion dollar company. But the reality of entrepreneurship, especially when you started out is not that. What would you, your advice be for someone who is thinking of starting out, but they don't really understand the reality, what's going on behind the scene or what they need to have? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. That's a really great question. Um, okay, here's the thing. All of those pictures out there on Instagram, hashtag lifestyle design, hashtag you know, uh, entrepreneurial life, uh, they're cool, they're inspiring. And that's 
part of the equation. It's certainly possible, but what people don't see is the iceberg itself. So now when you look at this bottle of water, I'm not sure, yeah, you can see, this is the real entrepreneurship. And this is just the tip. This here, this is the Instagram. This is the tip. This is what people see. This bit here, no one sees. This is what you got to do on a daily basis. And it takes a lot of perseverance, takes a lot of work, but most importantly, it takes a lot of just learning how to dance with your fears. So let me give you an example, right? When I started the current business that I'm running, right? Building educational products. And then on top of that, you know, consulting and different things. I started was over seven years ago. And picture this, I was working in my last startup job. Within one week, just one week, I decided to quit that job. I didn't have too much savings. I had very little money, but I knew it wasn't for me. Quit that job. I quit a relationship after almost three years. We loved each other, but we were not aligned. We wanted to live different places. It just wouldn't work. Quit that, and I moved out of that place. I went from Budapest back to Poland. Budapest is in Hungary, by the way. So I made three major life decisions in one go within one week. It was fucking terrifying. I, it felt like a slap in the face in, in, to, to a very high extent, but I knew that I wanted it. It was my initiative. So even though it was difficult, I still knew that I wanted to make that happen. And then for the, for the next months, I was really struggling. I, obviously I missed my girlfriend. I felt a bit like a failure you living back with your parents, even though you had a great job before you have your CV, but you are with your parents, what's happening. But I knew what I wanted. I had that vision and that vision really drove me. So every time I felt like giving up, I kept reminding myself, why am I taking that leap? And it wasn't easy. It took months and months to even get started. We can talk about little details later um, if, if you wish, but eventually I got started, build my first product. I didn't wait for it to be successful. I built second one. And then the third one, I just kept building, kept refining. And my breakthrough happened, I would say, close to a year after quitting my job and quitting that relationship. So it took a lot of time. It took a lot of sleepless nights. But the reason I'm, I'm talking about it and the reason I mentioned that vision is because I feel like as an entrepreneur, if you are getting started, setting up a powerful vision is crucial. Because if you don't have a vision, that's going to guide you. If you don't have that Northern star, you'll be likely to give up along the way because there will be challenges. And again, Instagram doesn't show you the full story. Mm. You will have moments when you will, you will experience self-doubts and you will feel like giving up and your friends and family members will tell you, what are you doing? You are throwing your life away. You can, you can get that nice job with benefits. Why don't you do that? You may feel like a failure. If you don't have a strong vision, you will have nothing to pull you towards it, right? You, you, you will be more likely to give up. So I always tell people, before you even get started, ask yourself exactly why you want to do it. What are all the benefits? What is the, what is the, the, the problem you want to solve for people, but also for yourself, right? So don't fall into that illusion that it's just about you helping others, right? Nowadays, a lot of people just say, well, it's just me helping others, Yes, sure, that's one part of the equation, but you also have to help yourself. And if you don't define your selfish objectives, you will give up. So on the one hand, create a vision, right? My vision is to help millions of people. It really drives me. If I'm tired, I don't feel like doing something, getting on a stage, doing an interview, filming videos. I remind myself my vision, bam, I have energy. It pushes me, right? But then on the other hand, it's not just that. Some, some of those selfish desires. Why do I want to be successful? Well, I want to have the ability to 
travel all over the world. I want to have the ability to invest. I want to buy an amazing property and build animal shelter on a huge piece of land in front of that property. I want to create orphanages all over the world. Well, guess what? To do that, I, I need money. I need connections. I need power. I need credibility. I need all of those things. So bring it on. And when you have both of those things, that really drives you in those moments when you feel like giving up. So, so definitely define your vision early on. Totally, totally. I couldn't agree more. And you know, having a big why is, is always one that I, I always preach myself for myself and for other people who are trying to get into entrepreneurship. And I think the second thing that you know, I really got from that answer is patience. Like it's not going to happen right away. You got to wait. You got to put in your hard work and not just expect it to come quickly. I think a lot of people these days are not patient. Where in an age of instant gratification, uh, everything yeah. you order comes to your door in you know, in, in two days. And uh, some people think, oh, I just need to put on a bunch of posts and I'll have like 100,000 followers or you know whatever. You, know, you got to be patient and hustle. Now, uh, Jimmy, the next now I'm very curious about just based off of our conversation and from knowing you and seeing all, all of your work, personal development is something that is really, really crucial for you. Why do you think personal development is key in moving your career or your uh, or your entrepreneurship business forward? Why has that been important to you and why should people really, really take uh, cognizance of personal development and growth? This is a very good question. So look, um, I feel like let me actually start with this, right? Let me start with this. Because I know there are a lot of naysayers, a lot of people who say, ah, personal development, self-help, BS. But, but let me start with this. When I meet people, the only people that tell me that personal development doesn't work, the only people that tell me that self-help, I forget about it, reading books, meditation, improving yourself, all of this woo-woo stuff, forget about it. These are the people who are not very happy and successful. And interestingly, all the people who are successful that I meet in my life believe in personal development, right? So, so that already tells you something. That already tells you that clearly this stuff works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm saying this because people watching or listening this, if you are new to personal development, you've got a bunch of books, you may have family members or friends kind of laughing at you, making jokes like, oh, will you close your eyes now? And will you imagine a car and it's going to show up? You know, so people make make fun of you forget about that it doesn't matter i feel like personal development is important because um it's kind of like it's kind of like brushing your teeth every day taking a shower it's like it's like um making sure that your car works properly doing those regular checks for some reason when it comes to those material things we we got to make sure everything's working properly we need to update our software right you know very well, like last time we were supposed to talk, I had software, I had I had microphone issues, all, all types of issues, right? Uh, right now, my, my laptop is playing tricks. Well, guess what? I may have to buy a new one. I, I need to do some updates. Hopefully, it's going to work. So we do all of those things, yet when it comes to our minds, we assume, well, this is who I am, and I guess that's what, what it's going to be for the rest of my life. But that's such an erroneous belief. And the problem is that in traditional education system no one talks about the importance of, of really developing yourself, right? right? I remember back back in Poland, back in school, instead of learning a little bit, at least a little bit about managing your emotions and how to handle bullies and what to do when someone offers you drugs or, or when uh, older kids try to pressure you into doing something illegal. And there was a lot of this happening, by the way. I've seen people shooting guns in the air. Like I, 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 you know, Poland, Poland is a different reality, right? So instead of teaching kids about that, we just tell them, listen, you got to memorize this passage and that's it. And if you, 
if you don't recall it perfectly well, you get zero points. It's ridiculous. And because we are never taught this, well, guess what? Our parents don't know the importance of personal development. So as you're growing up, your teachers don't tell you about it. Your parents don't tell you about it. And because a lot of people feel miserable, because a lot of people struggle with money and limiting beliefs, the moment they see someone happy, someone who is successful talking about personal development, it's very easy to make an assumption or look at that charlatan. He's trying to sell you snake oil. But it's not like this. In some cases, it is. There are lots of scammers out there. But I feel like the real, the core personal development is, is something fundamental for anybody, just like brushing your teeth. The way you brush your teeth every day and take a shower, you got to take care of your mental health every single day. And to me, it starts with, with self-assessment. It start, starts with, with self-awareness. So rather than just going after it and, and reading books only because someone recommended them to you, you got to first look at yourself. You got to sit down and you got to ask yourself, okay, where I am in my life? Am I happy? Am I not happy? What even makes me happy? Do I want to be successful? But wait, hold on a second. What does it even mean to me? What is the definition of success for me? Is it having a lot of money? Well, maybe it's having family with five kids. I know you are a father. Clearly, your definition of success is different than someone who's just slashing throws in the corporate world trying to make more and more money for themselves, right? So you got to find your own definition of success and then look deep inside and get to know yourself. I feel like that's where self-development starts. You get to know yourself, you become self-aware, and only then you start seeing different gaps that you have to fill. And that's when you can embrace all of those various tools. You can start reading books and you can learn from other people. But to do that, to, to take a step forward, well, first you have to like figure out where do I actually need to go? Am I going that direction? Am I going there? Maybe I have to take a little jump, right? Um, so yeah, man, self-development uh, to me is something that's, that's a fundamental factor to anyone's success. And by the way, very briefly, this is something that actually changed my life because when I was 15, 16, when I was struggling with all of those confidence issues and anxiety and I had big dreams, but I didn't truly believe they were possible for me. I was doing graffiti. I didn't go to school, hanging out with the wrong crowd. And then at some point, I just had that bam, the aha moment, right? And I realized, wait a second, me not, not studying, me not going to school and doing all the stupid shit, it doesn't give me any benefits, right? It's, it's, it's just maybe some type of pride that I derive by, you know, seeing, seeing my peers looking at me and like, oh, wow, yes, man. But apart from that, I'm not really getting anything. That's when I realized by reading books, by exploring personal development, that um, there is more to life and I can take control and I can bend reality to my will. And rather than accepting that, hey, this is the future that's made for me because everyone else from a small city in Poland ends up living like this. No, 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 screw that. I can create my own reality. I just have to figure out where I want to be and then do the right things day after day. So when I decided to study in the UK, I made it my obsession. I would take pieces of paper and I would write down lists of words in English, hundreds and hundreds of words. And every day I made it my obsession to study English. Every day I made it my obsession to study for my exams. But really, it was personal development that opened my eyes that I can actually design my own life. 
Fascinating, fascinating. Thanks, Jimmy, for sharing your story. So inspiring. And, you know, when I think about personal development, I mean, that was key and crucial for me as well. I know mm -hmm. I, at 15, I was reading uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I think that was my very first, one of my first books. Uh, but I think yeah. it's almost self-respect too, because, you know, you respect yourself enough to know that this is not the finished product. There's, there's more mm -hmm. to me. There's more I can do. And of course, the way to get to that best version of yourself is by studying, seeing people who have been there, who've done it, and learning from them and some of the things you were mentioning in your answer jimmy you were talking about emotional intelligence and that's one of the things that are uh, i'm very passionate about it's a topic that is very near and dear to my heart because it's been part of uh, my success as well you talked about uh, self-awareness you talked about mm. uh, self-control self-regulation and that thing i always think about is empathy and then uh, the fourth thing is skilled relationship which is basically combining all of those three in your daily interactions mm. when it comes to self-awareness i think self-awareness is probably like the, the source it's where everything starts because uh, an awareness of yourself gives you an understanding of where you are what you need to do to move forward how you can improve it's basically the starting point so for someone who is um, unaware of themselves, who do not, there's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, I believe, where it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, for yeah, someone yeah, who is yeah. in, a, in a position where they're not aware, they, they don't understand how much growth they have to, uh, how can they even start that journey of awareness? What would you advise for someone who is struggling with awareness? How could they start? Okay, the great question. This is very simple. Uh, I would just start journaling by answering very simple yet powerful questions. So some of some of the questions I, I mentioned before, like what makes me happy? What doesn't make me happy? What what bores me to tears? Um, how would I live my life if I had only six months to live or two years to live? For for different people, different amounts of time will will have a different effect because for some people, if, if they think about six month period, they just focus on pleasure, right? But if you think two years or five years, you realize, well, we don't have a lot of time, but yet it's enough to make some impact, right? So, but asking yourself those questions, trying to figure out what you would do. Um, what types of people do you enjoy spending time with? When you spend time with people, what types of people drain your energy versus what types of people give you energy? Who are your role models, right? And why, why you admire them? Even movie characters, you like James Bond, why? What is the reason? You like Navy SEALs, what is the reason? You may find out as you start journaling about it that what you really appreciate is their sense of selflessness, right? Or it may be something totally different. But the point is you, you got to ask yourself questions. And you can either use those questions if you are listening to this, watching this, or you can just Google, just Google self-awareness questions. And I'm going to give you a recipe for making sure that you don't procrastinate on this, okay? There is a software called, called Torkey Writer called Tor like Torquey, like the, like the bird, called Torquey Writer. Mm. It's free. You can download it for free. And then what you do is when you open it, you can you, you specify the number of words you have to type. You click start and it's going to block your entire computer until you type that number of words. I used it so many times to journal, to, to, to write my book. I would sometimes block my laptop for 5,000 words. And then you wake up in the morning and you want to check your email and other things and you realize, oh, it's a it's a wide screen. And now you just have to with a progress bar and you have no choice but to type. And if you do that, you force yourself to go deep because there will be moments when you are trying to become more self-aware. And when you're answering some of those questions 
a lot of demons from the past may come up, some traumas may come up, right? It may get very emotional. You may feel like, I don't want to do it anymore. Screw it. I'm just going to, this doesn't work. But hey, if you use that software, you have no choice. You have to keep typing, right? Mm -hmm. So I recommend that. And as you journal, I'm telling you, a lot of people, a, a lot of people benefit tremendously from journaling. Mm, absolutely i couldn't agree more journaling is definitely the start i know i've had a kept a journal for for years and years now and it's funny looking back to some of my first entry i'm like oh this is a version of myself yeah. they didn't know anything at all and you know seeing your evolution and growth definitely uh, improve things and i think when it comes to awareness it's very important to ask questions because like you always saying good questions is is the source of, of awareness why 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 mm. and uh, just to add to the point uh, i usually find that it's helpful if you asking other people some questions about yourself too because you know sometimes you have bad breath but you don't know that you have bad breath because <laughs> you're just not aware about it and then you're asking other people around you do i have bad breath and people are like yeah you do and then it helps to go find ways to fix it so i think you know yeah. there's uh, there's depending on your level of skills and your level of awareness you no know, journaling is good but sometimes, you know, you need to sometimes go ask other people, what do you think I'm very good at? You know, what what's your first impression of me when you think of me? What are the three things that comes to mind that you think I'm good at and I'm not good at? So asking other people, and of course you have to, you know, take that with a grain of salt because you want to make sure you're asking someone who's having the best you know, interest for you, not just someone who wants to keep you negative energy. But uh, all, yeah. having other people tell you stuff is also important. Now, Jimmy, the second thing okay, I so think, the second thing I think the second thing I think about when it comes to emotional intelligence is also self-control, because it's one thing to be aware of yourself, to know where you are, to understand what's going on. And I think it's control uh, and control is being able to um, uh, put toxic emotions under control to achieve your long term goals. And of course, to be successful, you definitely need that. Like you mentioned earlier in our conversation, you know, when you want to go give a speech or when you want to do some major action that moves you forward, you have all of those limiting doubts. But sometimes you need to exercise control to just like, OK, I know I'm not perfect, but I can do this and I can try my best or I can make an attempt. How do you actually approach control? How do you uh, put those toxic emotions under control to achieve your goals and not let them limit you? This is this is a very interesting question because there are different ways to answer it. Um, mm -hmm. First thing, which I'm not going to talk about because we already discussed it in, in detail, self-awareness, you need to know when you need to know which situations trigger you and ask yourself, why is that? And then go deep into the true reason. Uh, because very often things trigger you, not because of that situation, but because you have some neural association. Certain situations remind you of something else. For example, whenever someone tells you to do something, even if they mean, if they mean it in a nice way, oh, can you please do this or do that? That may trigger something from the childhood where, one of your abusive parents kept telling you, you got to do this, you got to do that. And that triggers something. Well, if you understand what triggers you, now you can manage it. But I would say another thing that people can implement right here and now is to try to increase that, that period of time between the stimulus and their response. So if I, if I, drop, if I take this tripod, I drop it, the first reaction is like, oh, shit, I can't. I can't believe, right? Mm -hmm. But you want to get to the point where you drop it, take a deep breath, and only then you allow yourself to respond. Because often it's that one second or two seconds that make all the difference, right? Someone says something to you, 
And if you just act on an impulse, you, you start saying things you don't mean. That triggers them to say something else. The next thing you know, you are in the downward spiral. If you just remember to take that one or two seconds to take a deep breath, whenever something happens, you give yourself a permission, you give yourself an opportunity to, to act accordingly to the situation. And this is something that's extremely powerful. It helped me a lot. Um, part of it is also meditating. When you start meditation practice, it, it helps you a lot to control your emotions. And um, I found that whenever I stopped my meditation practice, and it happens, I'm just a human. You know, I always talk about habits, but we, we are just human, right? Sometimes you just, you, you, you know, you stop doing things for a while. And whenever I had those moments when I would stop meditating for a week or two, and someone would say something that would trigger me or I would drop a plate and break it into a thousand pieces, right? And I, rather than control my emotions, I would just like lash out. And then I would have to stop myself. Whoa, whoa, wait a second. What are you doing, man? Just take a deep breath. But it was already a little bit too late, right? Because I already, I already had that reaction versus when I meditate on a regular basis. And by the way, some people may be thinking now, Oh, meditation. I don't want to go to a cave. I don't want to, I'm not spiritual. I don't want to be chanting anything. No, no, no. You don't have to do any of that. We can talk about it in a second, but meditation is not about that. But here's the thing. Whenever I meditate regularly, when something like this happens, if I drop on my plate right now, most probably I'm going to take a deep breath, look at what happened, not react, give myself those few seconds and only then react. But by that time, all those emotions that normally show up automatically, they're already suppressed, they're already lower, and now can assess the situation objectively and realize, you know what, it's actually not a big deal. Uh, let me finish my meal, I'll clean it later while listening to an audiobook. Therefore, I'm not even wasting my time on cleaning because I'm learning, right? So, so yeah, this is, this is powerful, man. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that's something I also came to realization a couple of years, especially in my business where things were always going wrong. And you know, if you're always reacting to them, you'll be handling them uh, in, in the wrong manner. So I like, you know, I, when I think about your answers, well, Jimmy, I'm thinking that, you know, just reading through science, like, you know, our brain has evolved over years, right? And, and you know, usually the natural response to any external stimuli or, or stress or attack is, you know, the fight or flight. And most of us, we, you know, a lot of people who don't have emotional intelligence are always operating in that fight or flight way. They either, mm -hmm. you know, avoiding the situation altogether or they're just attacking the situation. But like you mentioned, if you take just that extra, I always say 30 seconds, pause. When someone insults you or when something doesn't go your way, just taking an extra 30 seconds of pause really, really helps you make the right decisions and, and look at things objectively. Now, the, the thought part, sorry, David, go ahead. David, just, I, I just want to add one thing because you, you just made me think about something. You mentioned things going bad in your business, for example. And, and I want to address this very quickly because what I talked about just now, that mostly applies to everyday situations when something happens in the moment, right? When you may lose your composure and regret it later. But very briefly, when it comes to the long-term, you know, trying to control your emotions in long-term situations where the business is going down and you just, maybe you lost a bunch of customers or your employee was stealing money from you, whatever it is, right? How do you handle that? Well, um, of course, in addition to everything we discussed, I feel like there are a couple of things. Like one thing is that we tend to worry often about things that we cannot control. So like the first question to ask is, okay, I'm, I worry about it, I'm pissed about it. 
can I control it? If the answer is no, then you just answer it yourself. You can't control certain things, move on, move on. Then the best way to do it is to reframe Stoic philosophy, realizing things are not inherently good or bad. Things just are, maybe this situation will lead to something great in the future. Okay, I'm just gonna move on and, and just let it unfold. Now, if the answer is yes, you can control it. Ask yourself, okay, how can I control it? What can I do? And, and then you go down that rabbit hole where you either take very specific actions that allow you to suppress that, not suppress, to actually get rid of a lot of those worries and, and negative emotions because you are doing something about those things. Or you make yourself realize that since there's nothing you can do, you may as well just not waste your energy. So that's just something I wanted to add because I know a lot of people struggle with this long term. Totally, totally. Stoicism is a huge, huge part of personal development and uh, not overstressing on what you can control because it wouldn't make any difference and it's just a waste of your energy and your mental space. So thanks for bringing that up, actually. Now, uh, of course, Jimmy, one of your big success is the very popularity uh, and the impact of your online courses. Uh, that's on Udemy. I, I watched a couple of them and uh, you've done a number of them now, uh, I think over 10 now, I think, and collaborations. So what would you say, yeah. you know, for someone who is thinking of, you know, uh, creating content online, you seem to master that <laughs> ability. What would be your advice in terms of someone trying to find success in creating online content uh, and building a community online? Mm -hmm. It's an interesting question because there's so many angles, <laughs> so many angles I could hit here. Yeah. So for the context, I literally just submitted my manuscript to the to the final editor before publishing. It is like fifty-two and a half thousand words, right? So so there's a lot of things I could cover here. But 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 let me tell you about the main things that are holding people back from doing it, right? Because because most people don't even get started because of that. So a lot of people have various fears and they create worst case scenarios in their heads, not realizing that a lot of those worst case scenarios can be prevented. So when you publish something, so you publish an online course, you may be afraid, oh, I'm not gonna get amazing reviews. What if I get really bad reviews? Well, you can handle it right now. You can tr treat it as a fuel to build better content. And also there are certain things you can do. You can, for example, give free access codes to your best friends and family members, knowing that they will most probably give you great reviews. Okay, so that fear, suddenly you take it, you deprive it of its power because you realize, okay, I no longer have to worry about reviews. If you are afraid that people will think that you are not good enough, that you are an imposter, right? That you don't have all this knowledge that you claim you have. Well, first of all, you have to remember that People who watch your content are people who believe in your content. If someone doesn't resonate with your content, first of all, if they don't need your topic, they will not be searching for your content. And if they need what you are teaching and they stumble upon your videos and they don't resonate with you, they will not buy your content. They will not watch it or they may watch a minute or two and they will move on. It's like, do you ever wonder, you know, sometimes when people watch television and some TV anchor made a little mistake, right? You didn't even notice. You didn't notice. You didn't care. You moved on. But for that TV anchor that evening, he probably, he couldn't go to bed. He couldn't, he couldn't sleep maybe for the next week because he kept, or she kept thinking about all of that, that, that mistake that they made. Right. But just because it's their reality doesn't mean it's your reality. So what I'm saying is that 
we often think that people spend so much time thinking about all of our mistakes and judging us, but people are so busy thinking about their own issues that they simply don't, right? And then another thing, and this is important, is that people think that they need to be the best in the world to teach something. They think I need to be the ultimate expert in order to teach a topic, but this is not true. There is an ingredient that's proven to be way more significant in, the, in today's world of education, and it's relatability, right? So, so instead of just being the best in the world, you have to be relatable and trustworthy, right? If, if I'm browsing different courses and I see a famous person teaching a topic, but I cannot resonate with them. I know they've been famous for the last 25 years. They don't understand my situation. Well, I probably don't want to learn from them. But on the flip side, if I see someone who is two years ahead of me, right? If I want to accomplish goal X and it's here, that person, that person is literally, that person is literally already here and they can show me the way how to get there. Perfect, right? Now I resonate. I'm willing to pay for that content. Mm. And once you realize that, you also realize that your imperfections can be your power because they allow you to bond with your audience on a human level. No one wants to learn from perfection. And then, you know, so, so these, these free tips are primarily for people afraid of publishing content. I'll give you one thing, and I'm happy to delve deeper. As, as I said, I could talk about this for another 10 hours, but I want to pick the things that will be most valuable to your audience. For those people who already have content, if you want to make it better, the number one tip I would say is to literally take the feedback of your audience seriously. You know, a lot of people get very defensive. Initially, they are afraid to publish content. Once they overcome that fear, they publish, they get a bit of success. They assume that uh, everything's fine. I'm just going to keep going the way I'm going. I don't need to pivot. But the reality is that you always have to listen to your audience. Uh, I always believe that it's important to read reviews, not just five stars, but one, two, three star reviews. Because if there are patterns, right, if, if, if people say the same things about your courses or your, your videos or articles or whatever it is that you create, probably there is some truth in it and you should probably take it seriously. So I get a lot of reviews. I have, I think, almost 30, maybe already 32,000 reviews on my courses, right? So obviously lots of reviews. There are some hateful ones. Most of them are great. When I see a review that's one star, that's you know, just a hateful review, I, I disregard it. But if I see several reviews, you know, three stars, four stars, four and a half, three and a half, and each one of them says the same thing, I really pay attention to it. And to give you a specific example, at some point people were commenting in my courses, great videos, love the quality, love the delivery, everything is awesome. But we would love to see something that's more tangible, some type of PDF, some summary, something we can download or print. And initially, I didn't think too much of it. But when people kept writing about it, I realized, you know what, this makes a lot of sense. And I took a lot of time out of my calendar. I hired an assistant as well. And I said, I need your help. I need you to take the minutes of, of, each, of each video. And then together, we compiled notes that I posted in the PDF form to some of my best-selling courses. So now when people buy my courses, they can download all of those PDFs and they can remind themselves of the, of the most important concepts, right? And since then my ratings were, 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 went up. Um, so again, it's about listening. It's about opening yourself up to feedback. 
Absolutely. That's a fantastic uh, insights. Thanks for, for sharing all of that. And uh, those are important lessons for me to use as I uh, build and create my own uh, my own courses. I actually, I'm working on my second one right now, which uh, is uh, almost almost done. So uh, looking forward to publishing that. But I do have another question for you. I know one of the things that is important to you, Jimmy, is uh, traveling the world, exploring, um, um, just the, the 007 double James Bond lifestyle, if you will, if you will, and uh, being uh, involving in uh, you know, physical, mental, and spiritual growth, uh, and exploring the world around you, pushing yourself to the maximum. Why are those things important to you? Why do you take pride, or why do you consider them important in your journey to explore the world, to um, push yourself to the limits? I know there are a lot of things in our previous chat you talked about, you know, including you know bathing in very cold water and just testing yourself to the limits. Why should you? Why should want someone think about that? Okay, so for me, there are a couple of reasons. First of all, I I didn't embrace certain opportunities in the past in my life, and then I regretted not doing so. And as you know, we all know, we all have those situations. The feeling of regret is one of the worst feelings you can experience. You know you had an opportunity, you didn't take it. It could be something as simple as you see that person of the opposite sex, and, and, and you want to talk to them, right? And you want to get them on a date, but feel the butterflies and and then your heart is beating too fast and you just don't do it and then you're like why didn't i do it or maybe you are sitting in a room full of people and the speaker needs a volunteer to come up to the stage and you always wanted to get on a stage and overcome that fear but you just can't get yourself to do it because you are paralyzed and then you regret not doing it right and there are lots of different examples i could give you but because i had those situations in my life i know how bad it feels and I, what drives me is I, I don't want to have a situation when I'm 70, 80, 90 years old on my deathbed, looking back, thinking, yeah, I wanted to learn that language. Yeah, I wanted to travel to those places. I wanted to start a business. I wanted to build a charity. I wanted to help those poor kids over there. Guess what? I've never done this. Why? Well, I was afraid. Uh, what do I have now? I'm about to die anyway, right? So I don't want to have that. And I feel like the best time to start changing your life is now. Even if you are watching this, you may be 70 years old watching this. The time is now, because if you don't start now, then five years from now, you'll be wondering, damn, five years ago, I was watching this podcast. I should have started then, right? The best time to start uh, is now. And specifically when it comes to my thirst for exploration and travel, um, the reason I love it so much is because it opens up your eyes to new possibilities and it allows you to test your assumptions. We all have certain assumptions about the world. You know, for example, when I was about to go to Brazil, uh, for the first time, people told me, don't go there. People, people will rob you. It's a dangerous place. Well, guess what? I went to Brazil many, many times. No one ever robbed me, had a great time. And yes, some places are dangerous, but there are lots of amazing people living there. And I love Brazilian culture. Same goes for Colombia. People told me, they're going to kidnap you. Don't you know about Pablo Escobar? Well, guess what? Like nowadays you go to Medellin, Cartagena, all of those places. It's beautiful there. People are amazing. Life is going on and no one is kidnapping anybody. Sure, it happens from time to time, but it's not as dramatic as media portrays it to be. And I could give you, give you lots of examples. You know, when I went to Tanzania, people also told me, oh, Tanzania, you know, it's dangerous. I made so many friends there, man. I went to Kilimanjaro. I learned a, a bunch of Swahili. <laughs> Never forget going into small villages, you know, and it's like, ah, Jambo, Habari, Zasubui, talking to people, amazing, amazing culture. And again, people told me it's going to be dangerous. So it's like what happens when you travel, you realize that as humans, we are more similar than different, right? Often people, people say, all oh, those people out there, 
on that continent are so different than us, right? Because they watch too, 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 you know, too much news. They, 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 they watch too many movies, right? They think everyone is so different. But once you experience other cultures, you realize that ultimately everyone on this planet wants very similar things, right? We want peace and happiness for ourselves and our families. We want health. We want, again, health for ourselves, our families, our, uh, and, and, and our friends. And also, we want to fulfill certain aspirations, right? People want that. These are, these are human things. Not everyone wants to be filthy rich. Not everyone wants to slash frauds just to get rich, right? Like, people are nice by nature. People are inherently good. And when you travel, when you meet people, it teaches you that. And when it comes to the part of pushing myself physically, ice baths, jumping off cliffs, doing all types of challenges... I feel like these are very spiritual experiences, right? For example, whenever I jump into an ice bath and stay there for 20 minutes, there is something, something spiritual that happens in there. You start realizing that you are truly alive. You know, often it's impossible for you to feel truly alive unless you really push yourself. It's kind of like, imagine trying to explain to a fish what water is. It's, it's like, how would you explain that? Well, this water is liquid what does that even mean to a fish water doesn't even exist it's like air to us right we are just kind of flowing so um if you never push yourself physically and mentally you don't really have the glimpse of what it means to truly be a human being to be alive and and also it, it fuels you with courage because every time you push yourself you you end up expanding that comfort zone so when golden opportunities present themselves in your life, you'll be more likely to embrace them, right? Maybe in business, perhaps um, you, you have an opportunity to speak up in front of a large audience and you are afraid of public speaking, but you know that there are potential clients in there and it may lead to something great. Well, if you get good at pushing yourself, not on a daily basis, because I think that's not sustainable, but pushing yourself regularly, then when you feel those emotions coming up, when you feel your heart beating faster, when you feel that warmth in your entire chest, when you feel sweating and almost paralyzed by fear, you also know, hold on a second, I felt this many times before, and every time I felt it, I went for it, I did what I wanted to do, and it felt amazing after, right? And that's your new story. That's the new paradigm you have. And it makes all the difference in those situations that really matter. So I encourage anybody, especially since you are uh, creating a podcast for entrepreneurs, for all types of business people, also professionals, you have lots of situations when you have to decide, fight or flight. I'm telling you, whenever you decide to fight, whenever you decide to go after it, amazing things happen. Totally. And, and by the way, David, you doing this podcast is a good example. I mean, how many episodes you already have? You, you, you have more than 10, right? Yes, yeah, so I just had, uh, this week was my 11th episode. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. 11th, okay. Do you see the difference? Because, I, okay, actually, let me put it this way. I'm curious, I'm curious if you resonate. When you asked me to do a podcast with you, obviously, I, I, I needed to check who you are, right? So I, I, I had a quick look, and I saw one of your first podcasts and, and how you were running it. And I have to tell you, like, the progress you've made in terms of asking questions it's tremendous because at the beginning, it was more like question, answer, question, answer. Now I see, you know, you ask a question, I answer, you follow up with something. It's more like a Joe Rogan style conversation. And that's just, you know, over 10 episodes. Imagine what's going to happen after 100. And 
I'm, I'm, can you resonate with this, by the way? Thank you very much. Really appreciate it, uh, the, the kind words there, Jimmy. Uh, we are almost running out of time, but I do have one last question for you. And one of your strengths, and that's something I have observed in this conversation and in all your videos, is your skills in communication and your skills of being able to transfer passion, being able to transfer ideas to other people. For someone who is looking to grow their communication skills, what would you suggest they do to uh, start improving? How can they even start approaching that? Okay, I would say practice, practice with a video, hmm. simple practice with a video. Um, normally, I would say go out there and talk to people, obviously cover situation, it's a bit tricky. Now, video communication is prevalent. Most of us do meetings on Zoom, whether it's business, whether it's personal, and a lot of people feel uncomfortable. And it's important to practice that. Now, I'm not saying jump right into deep water and start scheduling calls with everyone, although that's going to be helpful. But also practice with a video camera or just with your phone by making videos of yourself and then watching them and trying to improve. And when you do that, especially when you have some raw models that you want to be more like, maybe there are certain individuals that you want to become more like in terms of your communication. If you watch them and try to identify what characteristics that they have you want to embrace, then when you start making videos of yourself, talking about various topics, perhaps introducing yourself, talking about your project, talking about what you believe in, right? So regular things that people tend to ask you about, initially it's going to feel awkward, but eventually what's going to happen is as you watch back, you will see, ah, you know what? I always cross my arms when I talk. It feels like I'm, I'm defensive. So next time you open up and you realize, oh, wow, this makes all the difference. Some of the videos you notice that you're scratching your face. It looks like I don't trust myself on this video. Well, now you open up, you don't scratch your face. You may notice you're slouching and then you realize, well, when I'm like this, I trust myself more. And eventually you will see what works and what doesn't. And the type of progress that would normally take you a year may take you just a couple of weeks if you use video to your advantage. Totally. Thank you very much, Jimmy. Profound answers. You've been such a great, great host. So much wisdom you've shared throughout our conversation. I'm very excited to have my listeners listen to you and uh, all the wisdom you have to share. And of course, I will post in links to uh, your website and, and more of your social media platforms for my listeners to check you out more. But thanks for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure, Jimmy. Thank you so much, David. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And by the way, thanks to everybody who listened. You could be doing many other things uh, instead of watching this. So this already shows your commitment to your personal development, right? That you choose podcasts over just chilling on Netflix and binging on a bunch of movies. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Jamie.